Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. This message is entitled Born Identity. Say hi to the podcast listeners. I believe the Spirit of God is wanting to establish the Spirit-filled church on the rock of revelation of this message, Christ in us. It's paramount to know and understand. I believe it's what God is saying right now in this hour, that it's not religion, but it's about Christ in us. It allows our true spiritual identity in Christ who we are and what we have in Christ is essential to know. No other single message in the New Testament is as important. Paul said, Colossians 1.28, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. We work to that end. We're witnessing We're building church, we're studying ourselves approved, trying to understand the Word of God, we're trying to live a life that's exemplary, trying to live the real deal Christian life, and we're trying to reveal Jesus to all the peoples, are we not? To our neighbors, so that if anyone would say, hey, I know that person, wow, yeah, they're awesome. Being in Christ is the fulfillment of the the entire new covenant, once we have this reality I guess at the core of our experience with God, our entire approach to God is revolutionized. The way we do church, the way we do our even individual lives, the way we approach God is dramatically adjusted. Outside of Christ, we are on our own, naked of power, attempting to accomplish even God's work without strength. And let me say, it's impossible. In Christ, we are empowered far beyond our abilities and capacities, super equipped for everything. Of course, we just finished our Magnificent Surrender series, releasing the riches of living in the Lord. What a powerful series. So I quoted something like this, God's kingdom is our true home, but we've picked up a habit of resisting it. God's kingdom, so okay, so God's kingdom is his reality of his presence right here, right now. So you might know it, especially if you're not born again, if you're not spiritually being enlightened, but right now the presence of God is abiding around us by his mercy, his grace, his goodness, his loving presence is all around us. And when you realize after you've been forgiven and you repent, Of all this stinking thinking, you realize, oh my goodness, God's such a loving God. I can just feel him so much right now, even in church right now. I can feel it. That presence is what he wants us to live in. Amen? You can can have it driving the car. You can do it at work. And I feel like telling that lollipop guy with the sign, you know, he's on the side of the road, bored out of his mind. I said, man, get saved. You can pray. You can stand in his presence. You can do that job all day, man. I, man, $30 an hour, I'd do that to stand in his presence, you know. It's cool. Stop. Go. 
You can be praying. You can, you can be saved from all these boring jobs if you're in the presence, if you're enabled to pray and connected to God. God's kingdom is our true home, but we've picked up a habit of resisting it. And when finally we do fall in, most of us find we've survived so long outside his kingdom that we've lost all instinct for thriving in it. And then we talked about what does it really mean? What does it mean to be fully alive in Christ and for Christ? And then the book of Colossians tells us in those few short chapters that it it, it talks about when we're magnificently surrendered to God that all of a sudden things change drastically. So we can go from just doing religion, just paying homage to God and having a lifestyle that may seemingly resemble living for God, we can go from that to being actually in the moment of living on the cutting edge of being led and blessed by God. Amen? And that's where, and so the book of Colossians talks about the glory of God, and then it talks about us, the glory of our life, that our life submitted to Him is glorious too. When we see that bird in the sky in all its glory, it was made for that. And we go, wow, look at that, that sea eagle. We're born to fly. We're born to take flight. We're born to live our life and give glory to God. Amen? You know, you don't have to do something magnificent in the sense of be a superstar, but what you do, because you're honoring God and being obedient to God, you are giving glory to God. And that's what the book of Colossians is talking about. And they call it the rich life. The magnificent surrender is the rich life that we can and must live in through, with, and for Christ, who is all and in all supreme and sufficient. So it comes down to realizing this, who Christ is. And theology tells us that. If you look at the Bible, theology can tell you and answer all the questions that we, uh, that we have. The Bible can do that. The Bible can answer every question that you have through, through theology and at the same time reveal God, God's perspective, but in context of God, what all that means. But then there's more than theology. There's more than just head knowledge. There's revelation. And revelation is like when the veil is removed from the mind, from the heart. The Bible says there's three veils, one over the eyes, where your spiritual eyes just can't even see God, can't see vision for your life, you can't see spiritually. Then there's a veil over your mind where you just can't download the wisdom of God and understanding of God, then there's the veil over the heart. And the veil of the heart is where God's love can't break through maybe. But revelation, the revelation that God said to Peter that he would build his church on, who do you say that I am, Peter? You're the son. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Man didn't give you that notion. Man didn't give you that understanding. In fact, it's a revelation that you believe that I am the son of God. And on that revelation, Peter, I'm going to build my church. So Peter straight away is being introduced to his future. Peter, you're not just a fisherman. You're not just product of where you grew up. You're, you're not just uncouth. You are going to be the rock upon which I build my church. Upon the revelation 
of what you just uttered before us in God's presence, we're going to build the church on that sort of revelation. And Peter realizes, oh my goodness, is this what I'm born for? Is this my true identity? Is this what I'm born for? You know what? If everyone could hear from Father God, you know, Jesus, he's baptized in the Jordan, and a voice from heaven, a voice from heaven says, this is my son, this is my beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. Wow. Everyone needs that Father's affirmation, even the grown-up men. That's why the enemy decimates families and takes the dads out of the equation. Because sometimes only a father can instill that destiny and that purpose in that child, in that youth, in that grown-up. This is my beloved. This is what each and every one of us need to hear and understand, that God is actually saying that to you. This is my beloved. This is my beloved. In Jewish custom, when his father would have put him on the shoulders at the age of 12 or 13, 12 turning 13, and parade him through the streets, and all the peoples would come out, and his father would say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Imagine that. Would you like your dad to do that through a while or through one of your two? Dad, settle down, settle down. It's all right. And they would. They would all gather around and cheer. He's come of age. Woo! But that's exactly what happened with Jesus. When Father God said about his son, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So Jesus didn't have an identity problem. He knew who he was. So when the devil came to him and said, if you are the son of God, Jesus led into the desert 40 days after being baptized in the Jordan. Boom, he gets that, this is my son who I'm well pleased. Then he's led, then he's led into the desert 40 days. No water, no food to be tempted by the devil. And the devil says to him, if you are the son of God, kill that stone to turn to bread. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God, he says. I'm not going to be tempted to respond to doubt. When you respond to doubt, you just feed that thing. Don't respond to that. We respond to faith. We respond to faith. Then he says, the devil says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, jump from this high spot here And see that the angels, as it says in the scripture, will preserve your life. God is not to be tempted. Even at the beginning in the Garden of Eden, did God really say? The enemy said to to Eve, remember, did God really say you can't partake of the tree of good and evil? Did God say? Did God say that you're supposed to be saved? Did God really say that? Did God say that you should be living your life for him? Did God say? So there's always an identity crisis. And that's why these, this narrative of these movies, what is the longest kiss, a born identity, takes a knock to the head, wakes up, he's got all this giftedness, and he doesn't know who he is. He literally doesn't. But when push comes to shove and he's got to defend himself, he realizes he has these incredible gifts. He can take out people. He can defend himself. Everyone needs to know who they are, 
A lot of us have spiritual amnesia. We've taken a knock to the head. Satan has dealt us a damaging blow to our mind through all that we confront in society. Movies included and philosophies of man and vain imaginations and all sorts of arguments. And now we've got professional atheists bombarding us, saying God is not. But you know what? The Bible says when you get saved that you can become a new creature in Christ. The old has gone away. That inability to hear God, know God, love God, serve God, that old man goes away. All that negative stuff that you were born into maybe, even through your generations, your, the iniquities and the generational curses, even from your generations, when you get saved, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that you are a new creation. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. What does that mean? This guy called Nicodemus, he's a spiritual leader. He's awesome. He's a great man of God, a Jewish leader of the day. He comes to Jesus in the evening and says, Jesus, I believe you. You're awesome. You're doing great stuff. You're an awesome teacher. This is amazing. But let me help me understand um, this born again business. What does born again mean? How can you be reborn? I've been born once through my parents. I've been born. How can I be reborn? What are you saying, Jesus? And Jesus would like to say it's a little bit like the caterpillar and the butterfly, that there is a process that he doesn't, like the caterpillar has no choice in the matter. He just goes through due process and he comes out. Amen. But we have a choice to be spiritually reborn. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, it's a bit like this, Nicodemus, although you're a good man, you're a spiritual leader, and look, kudos to you, but you must be born again to see the kingdom, to know the kingdom. What's he saying? He's basically saying your spirit, body, soul, mind, will, emotions, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, But your spirit, the eternal part of you, you have a free will to give that, to give that, to be engrafted in God by your free will. Otherwise, you live independently from God. You live your life unclothed. When man fell in the garden, they sinned, they realized they were naked the first thing they did was grab some leaves. Why did they feel like they were naked? Because they were covered with the glory previous, amen? They covered themselves with something they could grab. Some people do that with religion. They grab this and cover themselves with Scientology or cover themselves with something or other, some good work, some philosophy. And they say, look, God, I'm I'm okay. I don't need your covering. But God realized that they had fell and he came back with an animal skin signifying that this was how God was going to cover them eventually through the sacrifice of Jesus. Amen? So he gave them skins. An animal has been sacrificed. Jesus has been sacrificed. Blood has been shed. And they were covered with skin. 
Jesus does that to us when we get saved. He covers us in his righteousness. And that's why we say in some movies like Superman, uh, Spider-Man, Avatar, Iron Man is a great one. They go, they go into a suit that makes them all together so much stronger, giving them great abilities. They are clothed with some fictional suit that allows them to walk out their days as a superhero. Well, that's science fiction. But the Bible says, and Jesus said, he wants to cover you when you get saved with his righteousness. So when God looks down at you, all God can see is his son, Jesus. He just, he can only see all that Jesus is perfect to him, righteous and unblemished and perfect in, in every way. And when God the Father looks at you, born again Christian, he does say, this is my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. And no matter what you've done, even if you're faltering and doing hard yards and things are not working out so well, he's still looking at you, but religion is saying, you're not perfect enough, you're not good enough, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. And you're wiltering and you're losing your identity in Christ. But can I tell you, your true identity is the beloved of Christ. No matter what you're going through, you are the beloved of Christ. And he loves you in wonderfully, magnificently, He's lavished his love over your heart, the Bible says. The clothing that we're supposed to have is the robes of righteousness. It's the anointing too. At the end of Luke, it says, be clothed with power. Jesus said, don't do anything. Don't leave. Don't try and do any ministry until you are clothed with power. So we're supposed to be clothed with power be able to transcend all the difficulties of life. You're supposed to be anointed and empowered and clothed. And you're supposed to be able to walk through life without condemnation, without shame. That's your true identity in Christ. Joseph knew this. He got a coat, many colors, age 17. He knew he was going to be king. He knew he was going to sit on a throne. He knew he was going to disperse blessings. But the brothers got jealous. You ever had that? thrown into the pits, so sold to the slave traders. But even in the pit and even in Potiphar's house where he was a slave, he still acted as a king. He did not relinquish his identity. But then he gets accused of doing something terrible. Then he's thrown into jail. But in jail, he's not hanging his head down. He hasn't got victim mentality. Oh, this is never going to work out. I had this great coat. Coat of many colors, signifying I was going to be this great man of God. I was going to be a king. But Joseph, because he's got a right identity, he says, you know what? I'm just going to live my best life no matter where I am. Even if it's a pit, pot of his house. Now he's in jail for three, four years and even more. He holds his head up and guess what happens? He starts to ascend. They see something special on him. And the, the jail ruler, the guy in charge says, this guy, he's got leadership. This guy He's favored. Let's put him in charge. In the end, the king summons him, interprets a dream, and he ends up becoming prime minister of Egypt because he knew his identity in who he was in God. What does that tell us? No matter what we're going through, no matter what cards we're being dealt with, even early in life and whatever, 
Hold your head up. Act like a king. You are royalty. God loves you. You've been sent here on purpose. Amen. That's your identity. Yes, it's rampant. Even Christians have spiritual amnesia. They don't realize who they are in God. When you step into Christ and not do religion, religion is paying homage to God and keeping Christ at a distance. But when you say, Christ, you died on the cross for my sin. You took me off the cross and put me on. You put yourself on. You died on the cross for me. Jesus, I am in you. I am abiding in the vine. The Bible says if you abide in the vine, you can ask for anything and it will be done. It will be given. If you are abiding in Christ, you are clothed with his righteousness, with his anointing. You can stand up against the things of this world. The Bible says if you're born again, you have that privilege to be in Christ. You've got to believe it. You've got to ask for it. You've got to walk into it and say, God, I want more than just my belief system. I, I, I want to be supernaturally transposed. I want to be supernaturally engrafted into you. hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.